This episode of Bush and Breakaway is brought to you by Gregory and I. Do you know why? Because it's our six-year anniversary. We've done this show every single Monday for six years, no matter what's happened, to bring you the dumbest Ranger content on the internet. Congratulations to everybody involved. Thank you, everyone who supported us. If you want to actually support us even more and our dumb little hobby that we do here, you can go to patreon.com slash blueshirtsbreakaway where you can support us, get BSBOTs, join our Discord, and more. Six years with Greg and I. Honestly, it's been a it's been a trip. I can't believe we are where we are now, and I can't believe how good the Rangers are, question mark. So to celebrate, we have Vince Mercurgliano. Look at me pronouncing, pronunciating. Oh, my God. I'm terrible at this. I'm a professional podcaster. I've been doing this for six years. Do you know how bad this is? We have Vince Mercurgliano from USA Today on the podcast to talk with us about the Rangers. We answer all the questions. We throw some gloves and more. But before, let's get to Mark Messier. Here we go. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Breaker fans, welcome to another week of the Bushroots Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. You can sponsor us at patreon.com. You knew that, and it is our six-year anniversary. I can't believe it either. Gregory, say hello. I've had a pretty good day. I would say, say so. Let's say some nice things about life in general. Okay, I'll start. Okay. Um, Ryan Reeves, you go. <laughs> Max Scherzer. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, definitely not player safety. Uh, what's that? Oh, what's Snack Bar's real name? Haggerty? What's his first name? <laughs> I his real name. I, I, oh, Joe Haggerty. Yeah, I, I ignored that whole uh, whole bit because he's a clown. Oh, I did not. Yeah, I saw that. Um, <laughs> I, I was just like, you don't feed the trolls is kind of where I was going with, and he is one of those, that's for sure. Hey, that man is well-fed. For people so. who don't uh, know what happened, a Boston beat writer told uh, everyone on Rangers Twitter, including FitzGSN, to learn how to play the game. after uh, Smarten up. Panarin threw his glove at Brad Marchand after uh, Marchand said some things about Russia. And which I guess we should get to right away and say, um, it was probably more than saying things about Russia. It definitely- yeah, I don't think it was. It, it's not like he's like, bro, you're, it's really cold where you're from. It's the not the, really the quote that came out, I'm not going to press Vince on this because it's not his job to get deeper on the quotes that they say. But the quote that came out was like, Brad Marchand said, you know, people in Russia don't like you. And if you think that's the quote that Fred Marshawn said to Artemi Panarin to get him to throw his glove at him, I, I don't think Artemi Panarin exactly has thin skin. I wouldn't say that's how I would describe Artemi Panarin. Would you? No. Yes. Yeah. Didn't think so. We've learned a lot in our six years of covering this team. Congratulations to us, by the way. And thank you so much for being with us for six years. I can't believe we're still doing this stupid show. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on the Panarin Marchand debate? Because, well, I mean, he's suspended for three games now after he didn't learn the game, slew footage uh, like PK Subban. Very cool. Thanks, Marchand. And uh, I don't think anything will come from this, but the Bruins game next time they play will be electric. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about Marchand. He, he is what he is. He is exactly what we think he is. He's definitely... He's not quite like Brandon Gallagher is one of those guys where if he was on your team, your opinion of him would change. Marshan is definitely more. Yeah. The Rangers would be better if he was a Ranger, but he's a guy who complicates your fandom 
if you know what I mean. I would love him. It's I'll just be honest. yeah. I, I don't I don't know if I would love him. I'd appreciate that he was on my team and he wasn't doing this to me. But he's enough of a piece of a piece of shit where you really go. You you wonder if life would be easier without him. But Marshan is that level of talent. Unlike say I don't know. Let's pull another name out of current events, shall we? Random. Let's say Brendan Lemieux. Oh uh, boy! I would say, I would say, I'd say Marshan is the level of talent where you put up with the bullshit, whereas Brendan Lemieux is just bad, all the way around. Uh, agreed on the Brendan Lemieux point. The the letter that Kajuk put out, uh, or wasn't really it's a, not letter. a letter. It's not a letter. Quotes, man. It looks like a letter. I would. There was no video, correct, of him saying this. I didn't, I didn't. I haven't seen it. I saw the Gilbert Godfrey one. And we're talking about Ottawa, so let's let's be honest. That's true. That's true. Uh, that no one likes him. I mean, Rick Carpinello, uh now retired. Rick Carpinello, sorry, uh, did hint towards some things happening with Brendan Lemieux in the locker room. You and I have heard nothing really ever, but uh, just seemed to not be a quote unquote likable guy outside of people that had already been forced off the team. So there you go. Uh, I, I wish him the best, and please don't bite anyone else. There was two games since we last spoke. We did a post-game uh, post cap of the Islander Ranger game. You can listen to that on our Patreon, BSBOT. That et feels so long. Doesn't it feel like like 7 million years ago? We said on that, just to quickly recap, uh, a one or 30-second version of what happened there is that game probably shouldn't have been played. It was played. No, the game should. The game, it, you can take probably out of that sentence. Sure, that's fine. Uh, it was played because it was the night before Thanksgiving. I think that's the only reason it was played. And then the Rangers absolutely beat the living crap out of uh, out of the C team Islanders. It wasn't exactly like it's always good to beat the Islanders, no matter who's playing. And everyone, seemingly like everybody on the team, got points that night. I think what is it? Eleven Rangers got points. Fun. It was a fun game. Super easy. Nice way to go into Thanksgiving. Great. But the game probably shouldn't have been played. And then, of course, as you all know, the Islander game on Sunday afternoon or Sunday night was canceled. And uh, now the Rangers will have two games they have to make up moving forward because the Ottawa game got canceled and the Islander game got canceled. They're going to have quite the amount of back-to-backs in the second half here. Yeah, it's it's a problem for another day, right? It's one of those situations where it's not the biggest worry I have right now, especially considering any makeup game with Ottawa. I'm not expecting Ottawa to be a better team today than they were when the Rangers were meant to play them or when the Rangers will play them in the future. And if anything, I don't, I don't think you're losing much steam giving the Islanders more time. I, I just think this is one of those seasons with, for the Islanders where shit happens essentially. And it just isn't their year. So I'm not, I'm not really worried about the Islanders finding some magic elixir where in three months, they're going to be this juggernaut team that the New York Rangers can't beat. It does suck that it's adding, Two more games to a condensed schedule, but not not to be the biggest Debbie Downer in the history of Debbie Downers. If we were ever moving to a situation where the NHL players were not going to the Olympics, this would be that situation. And if the NHL isn't going to the Olympics, all of a sudden you have these three weeks full of dates where there aren't currently games scheduled, where games can be scheduled. So there you go. I'm not going to really worry about scheduling conflicts until we finally, one way or another, decide on what the hell is happening with the Olympics. I'm not saying I'm rooting against players going to the Olympics. I, I, I've i made it very clear before that I just really don't care that much. 
So whatever happens, happens. Um, I'll worry. The future Greg problem. Current current Greg got no worries in this world. Current Greg living his big life. Uh, the the Rangers top six is great. The oh, Rangers third we'll line of children is great. The Rangers goalie is great. The Rangers top four is great. The Mets top two starters are great. <laughs> the Mets center fielder is great. The Mets first baseman is great. There you Everything's go. great. There you go. Everything's wonderful. Y- I'm Yankees spent the 49ers won yesterday. Zero total dollars. Very fun. Very fun. I, I just I I, uh, I I pissed off our friend, my roommate. Uh, a little bit today because I, I came out after we did our emergency podcast with this shit eating grin on my face. He's a Yankee fan. He was making some food in the kitchen. And did, what did like, you say? Glaber Torres, huh? <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I was worse. I was like, the, what, the biggest, biggest turnabout in the history of New York sports is uh, the Mets just spent $43 million per year to sign the best starting pitcher on the market. And the Yankees just, Signed the Mets' fifth string infielder. Very cool. Minor league contract. Very cool. All right. uh, Let's talk a little bit about the Bruins game on Friday. A Black Friday game where uh, the Rangers had what I would consider. This is a trend the Rangers are going through this season. And I'm wondering if you noticed this too. The first period is just a miserable experience for New York Ranger fans and New York Ranger team. Whereas in the last eight, 10 seconds of the of that period, Panarin magically goes across the ice to hit Ryan Strom, who somehow does not miss a net. And we go 1-1, where the Rangers were getting absolutely decimated through this first. Then the Rangers continue to run away with this game and fight their way back into it, leading to a 5-2 victory, where Dryden Hunt has become, I guess, a solidum. Like, I don't want to say, like, his metrics look really good. They have kind of for a while. And I think uh, I think Strom called him Jesper Fast-like. In, in a way, which really hurts our friends, uh, some of our, our close friends' narratives here. But Hunt seems to, like, fit on that role. And I don't I don't see a way, and this sounds crazy, I don't see a way Barclay Goodrow can work back into the top nine at this point. It's very strange. No, I, I don't think it's strange. I also don't think Barclay Goodrow, Sands injury, should be working his way back into the top nine. The whole point of having Barclay Goodrow was for him to not necessarily have to play those minutes. And it's it's a shame that he's not a shame necessarily it's just that's the way the cookie crumbles when you sign that kind of player to that contract and all of a sudden you feel like you have to get more out of him than you otherwise should he is playing the role he was supposed to be playing on a team like the lightning or a playoff team which is bottom six winger defensively responsible penalty killer and that's great it's perfect um he's gotten off to a slow start to season even from a defensive standpoint but as long as the Rangers never ask him to do too much, everything will be fine. As for Dryden Hunt, uh, I think my point still stands that I made Monday when we were talking about Hunt being on a line with Zibanejad and Kreider. And now, obviously, Kako is up on the top line and Hunt is on that second line. Kako's look good. It's fine. It's, it's fine for now. You don't need to change anything for now. But I also don't think a smart organization, a good organization, an organization – that truly believes it's capable of going deep into the playoffs. They're not going to rely on some Dryden hunt breakout season to get them across the finish line. Right. He's it, it. It's a, it's a good thing to have this situation now where it's working now, where other teams are trying to figure out if they are buyers or sellers or what they can get for certain pieces and who goes where and all that. This is, this is okay for now. And it could be okay Honestly, until the Olympic break or what's supposed to be the Olympic break. It's not that the Rangers have to rush. It's that you hope the Rangers understand 
that if this team truly wants to make a deep run, they are still missing one piece, and that one piece fits perfectly into that Dryden Hunt part of the top six. It does beg the question of, well, who then comes out of the lineup if uh, if you make a trade for a winger and he goes in the Hunt spot? Because it's not like any of us are trying to break up that third line. That third line is straight e- crack. Electricity. And I love every second of right, it. Right into I, my veins, dude. They don't play defense for I, shit, I, but they, I they don't know. If, I, I have not loved a single line like I love that line since Benoit Pouliot has been a New York Ranger. That is for damn sure. Friend of the show, Benoit um, Pouliot? <laughs> Question mark. I don't know if he's a friend that? of the show or not. I can't tell. Uh, I mean, he knows we exist. That's true. I, just don't think he, I don't think his English is good enough to do a podcast from what – you know, we've talked Can't about it. was wondering how to um, blow him up now. He Sometimes he does stream on Twitch to, like, a couple people. It's super funny. So there you go. It's <laughs> really weird. It's so funny. <laughs> um, I love it. I Benoit Pouliot's the best. I think everyone – go follow Benoit Pouliot on Twitch if he's still streaming. He, tweets he might too. not be doing there it as go. much as he used to. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, you know, it brings up the interesting question of who comes out of the lineup because it's not like – I'm never going to ask for Kevin Rooney to come out of the lineup. I think he's been really good this year. You obviously don't want to take Dryden Hunt out of the lineup. You're not going to take Barclay Goodrow out of the lineup. But that is that is such a happy problem to have, to figure out which one of those three on a nightly basis you are rotating in and out of your lineup. That is That is the definition of a good problem. The New York Rangers right now, for the most part, are fine. I, I know people are dying to replace Patrick Nemeth. Uh, I, I, again, I have bad news. I don't think the Rangers think Nemeth is necessarily playing as poorly as his metrics would indicate. Um, I just, I would hope Chris Jury is smart enough, is more forward thinking enough to understand that, yes, Dryden Hunt is working right now, but he shouldn't expect it to work all the time. And if it's not going to work all the time, okay, what is the alternative? And I would like to see him be more proactive about trying to address that alternative. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's a fair thing. It's so funny to come on this podcast and and just sit here on, on our sixth year anniversary, and, and I really, I really don't have a Talk lot to about compl- Max Scherzer. Yeah, I really we already did that. We have a, if you haven't seen it, we have an emergency podcast already out. Uh, but there's nothing I have to complain about, with the exception of I didn't uh, got canceled for great reasons. But I hate that the game got canceled because the momentum this team has right now is is palpable. You, you could feel it. I, and I wanted to ride it because there is, there is the, the next couple of games: Flyers, Sharks, Blackhawks, Blackhawks. Like, give me that. I, I I need to watch this team go to war with these these other squads. This this Ranger team is the most excited I've been in since the 2015 16 season, something like that. For I like the on yeah, like the on ice <laughs> actual talent. Like th- this is the best we've been by far, by far. Like, like, yeah, it was fun watching Kako. Well, not not year one. Last year was fun watching Kako develop. We got into a playoff series, quote-unquote, play-in series versus Carolina, where it was like, okay, we got kind of got the brakes beaten off us. Super fun watching Mika destroy a couple teams, scoring five goals, and Panarin's been a pleasure. But this squad, just in general, top to bottom, especially, you know, Igor, Adam Fox, all the, all the players, they're phenomenal. And it's to have five days off. And listen, I know the Rangers are going to have, I think there's only like two games or rather – for the rest of the season that don't stat check me on this way. I know my hockey stat posted something like this, where um, there's only a couple days left where there's not going to be a, every three days. There won't be one game, something like that. So it's going to be a packed schedule up to February up to the break. 
and this game's going to have a lot of challenges ahead of it. But to to have a game canceled, just to have five random days off at this point in time, just feels like such a momentum kill. I don't know what to do. I, I like I'm sure they're just sitting around waiting to play. Uh, I don't I don't really see it as a momentum kill. I, I feel like it has more of an impact on us, the fan, than it does them, the players. Especially since again, I think we keep talking about a schedule being this jam packed. I don't think any of us can sit here and say it's a bad thing the New York Rangers are getting some time off when it's going to be an absolute grind the rest of this season. Um, I I stopped short of saying this is the best Ranger team we've seen since this podcast started because there have been some very good teams and most of those teams had the best player the New York Rangers have ever had, which is Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, but I will say it's it's a team with the least amount of obvious holes that can't be necessarily addressed by the performance of the players that are currently here, right? Mm-hmm. Philip Heedle is taking a big enough leap where you feel really good about the top three centers the New York Rangers have. Uh, Kabakako, Alexei Lafreniere are playing much better, which makes you feel better about the Rangers' wing depth. Dryden Hunt's doing enough right now where even though, in my opinion, you have a hole in the top six, it's not a glaring, gaping black hole. Patrick Nemeth is struggling, but he's really the only defensive player struggling at this point in time. And yes, you would love to have a better goalie than Alexander Georgiev, but at the same time, it's very possible the Rangers already have one in the organization, so it's just a matter of making the switch. It's funny because... isn't this... There, well, not not. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you go in a second. It's just of all the years we've done this podcast, I will say this is the year where there's not this one clear thing the Rangers have to do. There are a couple obvious things in my mind that they have to do, but even if they just stand pat, I don't necessarily think the bottom will fall out. But it, it it's nice where we're not coming on this podcast every week and going, I can't believe the Rangers haven't done X. It's torpedoing their season. Well, you know, it's been, we have many storylines over the years. They're still starting Mark Stahl. I remember that wonderful day he got sat for one game. That was awesome. There was just yeah, like. Lieber Hayek got hurt and he came right That was That was it. Also, what a world we were living in. We were like, thank God they're benching Mark Stahl so we can finally <laughs> figure out what we got with Lieber Hayek. <laughs> by the way, Lieber Hayek, it's November 29th. And, He's still here. And by the way, Mark Stahl is pretty good sometimes still, which doesn't make sense in Detroit. Not that he's like a world beater, but he's been solid for them. Congratulations. He's been fine. Yeah, that's fine. I miss Mark Stahl sometimes. Not really, but sometimes I think about him. Uh, yeah, it's it's a weird narrative where we can come on this podcast every single week and just say, I'm, this is a good team, and I'm pretty positive it's a good team. The question I've asked myself the most this, this year, the, the, text, the text I've sent the most to my personal friends is, is this team good? Question mark. And I think the answer is yes. And I don't know how to say it otherwise. It's it's the most questionably good, and I think the best team we've we've covered since the podcast started. And it sucks to take a five day break, but like I said, those next four games, I, the Rangers have between now and December fifteenth, they have three back to backs, and their schedule is loaded, so there won't be any break whatsoever. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to have things to complain about by the uh, by the end of that third. I'm just in, ju- just enjoying today and living in now. That's all I could do. Hey, today's a good day, baby. We got we got different eye colors. We got yeah, forty three million dollars a year. We we've got For one guy guys. worth more than three franchises. Pretty good. <laughs> I think someone someone tweeted out Pisan. that Max Scherzer is making like 
57% of the NHL salary cap yes, for sir. one team. Yes, sir. That's pretty good. That's, again, that's only the Met money. You're not even accounting the $15 million the Nationals are paying him this year. He's legitimately making $59 million this year. That man got the fucking bag. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, I'm happy for him too. Um, and again, you can check that out on our BSB OT. Uh, oh, we have a Brooks. Brooks, your guy Brooks. What? Brooks was here. Brooks isn't his first name Brooks Raleigh. Oh, our, the, the reliever the Rays Ray signed for two years. Cool, <laughs> sick, sick, awesome. All right, uh, we we have been podcasting for like twenty minutes at this point in time. We're gonna get to Vince Mercogliano in just a couple minutes here, but we haven't talked about Ryan Reeves like at all. And the fourth line that uh, just had a majestic night. Listen, Rooney, Rooney's your guy. He looks legitimate. He's got five goals already. Is it? I, I just, I started riding and dying with Kevin Rooney kind of just out of, you know, it was a joke. Let's, let's be honest. I, I was, I was doing it tongue in cheek. The dude's legitimately good. I, again, I, good being comparative in the, in this way. I'm not saying he deserves more ice time or anything like that. It's just, he is the ideal fourth line forward who is playing the exact right amount of minutes and getting the exact right amount of opportunities and doing literally everything he can with the opportunity that's given to him. I don't, I'm not asking if something happens to the top nine, I'm not saying Kevin Rooney is the perfect guy to go up there. You don't have to make an outside move in this organization to fill that hole. That's not the point. It's just, you have to appreciate when something works and it's working and it's, it's so clear now why the Rangers – we gave them a little bit of shit for protecting Kevin Rooney of all players. But it makes sense why they did it. They knew they had this perfectly solid piece that they can plug and play. And also, maybe the most underrated storyline in this entire season, God bless the Seattle Kraken for taking Colin Blackwell instead of Julian Gauthier. I can't believe it. It's It's – it's almost like David Quinn knew that if he played him, the, the Kraken would take him. That's <laughs> that's it. I, I, I don't know. There's, Colin Blackwell's been fine for them. I'm, I like Colin Blackwell a lot. He obviously produced tremendously in his position last year, playing with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom, and they were happy to play with him. But Julian Gauthier has taken... A st- Everybody you wanted to take a step, for the most part, has taken one. And Gauthier's might be the biggest uh, from where, where he was well, to where I he went now. I think he's taken like three. I think that's... The different like Kako's taking a clear step in the last couple of weeks. Alexei Lafreniere is taking a clear step since being put on this line with Hito and Goche. But I, I Goche is taking more than a step. Also, the thing I don't know if you catch yourself thinking this as well because you brought up our old friend David Quinn. How many times would David Quinn, in a post game or a pre game, talk about and preach about the team needs to be more north and south? Blah 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 blah. Two hundred foot high. Way too much. Blah 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 blah. Is there any player more north and south than Julian Gauthier? He literally skates as fast as he can in one towards direction. The, towards the goalie. That's yeah. it. <laughs> skates as fast as he can in one direction, takes a hard left, and tries to bury the puck with one stick, one hand on his stick. And I love the move. And now he's progressing his game to a point where he's like, hold on. I can pass? I don't have to be the one to try to shoot. I can I pass? Can also pass. <laughs> Unbelievable. So it's like, it's, it's incredible. But every time, every time I watch him make that move, I just – I sit there and shake my head to myself and go, this is the most north-south human being that's ever existed on a compass. And David Quinn didn't want to play him? 
Well, what apparently, what, what is that about? Apparently, he's stunk in practice, and the team sees him every day, Greg. That's that they, hey, so hey, they listen, know. We all we can do is react to what Rick Carpinello told us. <laughs> Love you, Rick. Hope you're doing well in retirement, buddy. He's uh, not gonna listen. He's no, he doesn't care. Him. Someone will tag him. Whatever. And he'll tell you to put. Yeah, and seat. then I'll get a text from him being like, "You're being hard on me." It's like, buddy, I'm not even being hard on you. I'm just saying what you told me. <laughs> yeah, like, you, I'm, you I'm told not, me. Julia I'm not Goshen saying your opinion stunk. was right or wrong. I'm just saying this is what you told this me. This is what you said. You said he stinks. That's what you said. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Very oh, the the I, the BSB boys are giving me grief again. No, we're not. We're just quoting you. I don't you're can't help you there. You're retired. Enjoy it, Rick. Yeah, Ryan Reeves can learn how to pass. Ryan Reeves has been awesome, and just the dad looks from the bench, he, watching Lafreniere fight, and then commentating on his on his fighting ability. First fight in Lafreniere's history playing hockey. By the way, just some, something about JG Pedro broke him. So there you go. But, I just Ryan Reeves. I want to see how many movie quotes he could work in the post game press conferences. I respect. Talladega Knights, but I'm going to need him to bring in some Tropic Thunder. I'm going to need him to bring in some uh, some uh, other guys while we're at it. I need him to work. I need him to drop some spices in here for me. Step Brothers, let's. Get I want to- him. I I am I I am dying for him to get into a fight with someone that he ragdolls, and then Molly asks him about the the fight, and Reeves just goes, "I'm a peacock captain. You got to let me fly." <laughs> if he if he says that. I don't. I'll just start paying him myself. I don't even have a job, but I will find a way to give that man more money. All right, let's get some five star questions, and we'll get right to Vince. If you want to leave a five star question? Go to our Patreon five star questions channel. Leave them in there. We'll read them on the show. Jay Hardesty seventy two. Outside of Phil, the the Glizzy Goblin Thrill Kessel, who are we considering for right wing, or or whoso are we considering either in our own system or any other league? I have news for you. The answer right now is Dryden Hunt, and if he keeps playing like this, I don't think there's a trade going to be happening until March. Well. I do think this is the perfect opportunity because I've seen a couple people tweet about it since, again, anytime any NHL player becomes available, it, it happens so rarely that we feel a need to talk about it. I've seen a couple people throw, float out Jake DeBrusque's name, who is clearly... He asked for a clearly, trade I this mean, weekend. He asked for a trade yes. literally today uh, or this weekend from Boston. Um, you all right there? Sorry, I got an MLB notification. I thought it was someone else signing. It was just <laughs> Very important. Shohei Otani doing... Something Shohei Otani, which is great. Good for him. Happy for him. Uh, fuck you, Noah Syndergaard, by the way. Thank, actually, thank you, Noah Syndergaard. You've made today so much better for me. Um, yeah, I, I'll say this about DeBrusque. It's intriguing. He's only 25. He has RFA rights next year. He's making a little bit more money than I thought he was making. He's like around 3.7-ish. I got to tell you, if the, if the going back to my point about the Rangers trying to find something that is better than Dryden Hunt. I think it at this point in Jake DeBrusque's career, I'm not 100% sure that he's a clear and obvious upgrade over Dryden Hunt. So I don't know why I'd be giving up even Kravtsov for I think him. people are going to tell you that's a hot take, and I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I like Again, I, I want I, – I'm fine with Hunt right now. I really am. I But I will – honestly continue to look for upgrades over Dryden Hunt just because I am aware of how this can go poorly. I just, you can make the argument that the brusque hasn't really had the opportunity. You can make the argument that he's been mostly fine before this season when given an opportunity. I just, I really don't know if he's like a clear and obvious upgrade and I'd much rather shop in the clear and obvious aisle than another aisle in which you're trying to fix the toy that someone else broke, right? Yeah, well, I'm happy the Rangers did it with Gauthier. 
very, very thrilled about that. I'm happy the Rangers honestly are doing it right now with Dryden Hunt. I, I just, I don't know. I, DeBrus doesn't truly move the needle for me in a way that I think you should stop everything you're doing and be that team that takes the chance on him. I think what's best for Jake DeBrusque is not going to a team like the Rangers. I think he should go to a team, not necessarily the Coyotes, but like say San Jose, which is maybe not a thousand percent ready to compete this year, but very clearly has a need for good young wingers. And then DeBrusque is allowed to get his run and we can finally see what he's all about. Well, this is I, I transition. here. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is a hot taker. I just, I'm a little, I'm a little lukewarm on Jake DeBrusque. Will I be angry if the Rangers make a move like that? No, it's intriguing. And I, I like anytime my teams do anything intriguing and they've taken the chance on a young player. If you're going to take a chance on anyone, let it be a young player. I just, from where I sit, I don't think Jake DeBrusque is the guy that you necessarily rock the boat with right now. This is from CTB19. This talks about San Jose. Uh, Pavelski's name has been thrown around as a possible deadline deal. Does it make sense? What do you think the price is? I think it doesn't actually make sense for the Rangers. Salary, $8 million. Uh, 37 years old. Not. I, I saw that Drew uh, did a big breakdown in our chat about this, how they're kind of like, he's a little bit repetitive with Chris Kreider. I don't really see it. And I'm not sure that's the kind of guy they're going to go for. Yeah. I. Yeah. I, I don't really have anything uh, to break anything there i i do think it's super interesting how bad everything has been in dallas this year to me pavelski i i think i've talked about him before as like if the rangers are to move on from strom who do they move on with i think it's much more interesting to talk about pavelski on a one or two year deal as a free agent as opposed to going five years with agreed strom um even then 38 like so rough yeah, so, I, first of all, we're not ageist, and Max Scherzer is okay. Ageist, all right, right? so Sorry. we're gonna. I, I have a new appreciation I I for this. older players. <laughs> Look, Pavelski, he's still he's still cooking though. That that's that's the one thing um, that I do have to say makes you pause and do a double take. I think it's it's tough as a. He's still going to cost you a ton as a one year rental, but Pavelski still has the goods, man. I would. I'd be very fine if the Rangers wanted to do like they let Strom walk and they just pile on Pavelski for a year or two. We have uh, we have five minutes to answer these next couple questions here, so I'm going to kind of speed around a little bit. This is from He on the Toilet. Kind of love this question. The Rangers have an even goal differential. This is before the Islanders game. And the next stat is after that is wins and losses in the standings. So I guess, is it viewed as important? But why? Why should we give a shit? Isn't the goal differential essentially plus minus for teams? Plus minus is almost the universally rallied against useless stat. Why is it somehow more meaningful when to look at a team? I, I agree. Uh, I, I, I disagree. I think it's it's a good way to indicate if your team is – if your team's generally winning one goal games a lot but getting blown out in other games, it's usually an indication that you're more lucky than good, right? Whereas if you're winning games by blowouts and you're losing these one-goal games here and there and you're uh, around 500 but your goal differential is around 20, 20-plus – uh, that indicates more you're unlucky than bad. I I do think run differential, goal differential in every sport, it's a better indication of whether you're as good as you should be or unlucky. It's a good temperature check, but it's other. not a good way to, to really evaluate the team. That's, what, how, that's no, how I look and, at it. But, like, for example, earlier this season when the Rangers were somehow like 7-3 
and three, but their goal differential minus was minus six. Yeah. Yeah. We were all going to sit back and say, this New York Ranger team can't score goals. How have they gotten points in this many games? This goal differential is not a fluke. It's an indication of how this team is playing. And they're just kind of playing against the curb. They've been much better lately, which is why their goal differential is now creeping back into the green. But I do think goal differential can kind of, it can pull out the dirty diaper if something smells off. Next question from Willie, Willie, Willie. Are we about to witness a change in the rivalry with the Islanders? They have put us on their toes for years, or is it about to change? Are we always going to be playing each other at this level, no matter what? Uh, I guess I don't think I don't think I don't think it's they're going to This is just a, a tough shit. This is a real bump for them. This is from Nick. I how many how many Rangers do we think will make the Olympic roster? Do you think Putin lets Panarin play for Russia? Uh, I actually think that's a really interesting question. It's one that I'm going to talk with Vince about in a couple of minutes. So I'm going to wait to answer that uh, with him. Oh, well, I'll tell you right now. The answer is no. <laughs> uh, Putin is not going to let Panarin play. <laughs> that was going to be my answer too, Russia. but I wanted to ask Vince. Yeah, I would say off the top of my head, Zibanejad's a lock. Fox is a, a lock. lock. Igor's a lock. I said Igor's a lock. That's um, it for me. Those are the locks. Kreider might make America, but I think that's a long shot. I don't know. There's so many good American forwards. Like, it's – I don't know. It's tough. And just like Truba is he, – he's he gets a shout, but there's so many – there are more Americans out there than we think. Two minutes. Next couple questions. Benny, anybody that ever, has ever played the team like hockey can see that – or team sport like hockey can see that Kreider embodies the captain role on and off the ice. I mean, I agree totally. Why won't they give him the scene? I mean, how long until they give him it? Uh, it's because they want to buy him out and trade him in 2024. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's the real reason. <laughs> also, I just, I don't know. I just it should be him. I, I at the, it has to be something like he doesn't want it at this point. I, I don't know. I what think it if is. Chris Kreider wanted it, he'd be the captain. He literally is the captain. Uh, if the Kraken decided to embrace the tank, what do you think of trying to get Eberle with some salary retained for crafts off picks and a one right hand defenseman prospect? Don't hate that. Uh, let me let me peep the term here, Ryan. Give me a second. I got cat friendly open. Yeah, go for it. Where is Seattle? There they are. Podcasting. Podcasting. Check in on Seattle. Two more years after this one, Ryan. It's interesting. All right, we'll come back to that. Two more years. Two more years at five point five. So you're essentially saying Eberle is the guy that you're filling that Ryan Strom sized hole with. A speed round after after past week. Whose face, uh, whose face would you rather punch, Marshan or Pajot? Marshan. Pajot. Don't think it's close. Uh, this is from... I, think, I don't think it's close either. Sign guard. Okay. And this is from Mechanic. If Gordon get, gets the job in Montreal, he did. Uh, do we have a buyer from Hayek? Probably not. I think we have a buyer for Georgia. I think we have a buyer for Georgia for sure. Grateful Sparks. Hey, guys. Just wondering when you guys are going to be able to do another meetup game for the city. We'll be doing something for the Henrik Lundqvist game, I think, night before. I'm not sure how that's going to go, but uh, we'll talk about a, a winter game probably in... January? I don't know. That's the Henry Longest game. We'll do March, something like that. Uh, yeah, I let us let us get through the holidays. Let's let one of us find a job. And then we'll talk about meetup games. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. All right, let's get to our good friend Vince Bercogliano, and we'll go from there. Transition. And we're back with our first and only guest. We have Vince Bercogliano of Sport, uh, USA Today. He's also of Loha.com. You can subscribe to him for $1 a month for six months. Is that correct, Vince? Well, it's actually $1 a month 
for the entire six Whoa, months. Oh, wait, uh, an month. even better deal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't beat that. After that, it goes up, but uh, the first six months are pretty cheap. Well, Vince yeah. puts out some of the best so, content. Suck on so. that other company that maybe once upon a time. Okay, okay, relax, time. relax. All right. <laughs> I, I like to think of the six months as like a, a trial period. You can see if you like what I'm doing, and then if you don't, you know, you get out. But I, I hopefully I'll lure you in in those six months. Vince, one of the best in the game, if not the best. I'm just trying to keep friendships open there. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about what's happened with the Rangers, and uh, I guess I'll start with this question. I've asked it to everybody that I've talked to, my personal friends, uh, my mother, everyone I've met on the street. Is this team good? I think so. Right now, I, they are for I think sure. They're good. It's it's crazy. Yeah, because for a yeah. couple weeks there, it was it's it's a questionable, just a lot of wins that maybe they shouldn't have. Uh, fought out they did they pull it pushed through everything and now all of a sudden it seems like things are clicking uh dryden hunt on the second line Kapokako on the first line i i know that you tried to anoint the first line and switch them but it seems that they're still going Kreider mika and now kako is the first line what has kind of been the vibe around the line changes and where uh I, I, are the players bummed that they had to take a day off well as far as the line thing goes i it's funny because i had tweeted that and i wrote it in a column later that day that and it really, a lot of it stemmed because I had gotten a text from somebody who works in the league who was like, it's funny that everybody always talks about Mika's line as the top line. And I get why, because he's the number one center. So people usually, you know, go by center when they're going through the lines. But what this league source said to me in a text was, I guarantee you that every team that plays the Rangers looks at any line that has Panarin on it as the line that they're most scared of, the line that they probably game plan around the most. So I was thinking about that. And then for at that at the period when I sent that tweet out, Dryden Hunt had been moved up to the Mika Kreider line. So I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, which line looks more dangerous if you're the opposing coach? A, a line with Dryden Hunt or a line with Artemi Panarin? So I, I sent that tweet that day. And, and then, of course, like the very next day, he ends up switching it where Hunt goes down to Panarin's line and Kako goes up to Mika's line. So now I've, I've reverted back. I am back to calling the Mika line the top line for the record. But as far as the, the way that the Rangers are playing, I wrote about this on Sunday in a story that went up Monday where I kind of went through some stats that, that really stood out to me through the first 20 games. I called some people that that really dive into this stuff pretty deep and, and asked them to send me some stuff that, that jumped out to them. And what, what really stuck out about that was when you talk about how they looked early in the season versus how they look now is if you look at that game in Columbus on November 13th, and if you guys remember leading into that game, they had beaten Florida on a Monday. And even though they beat Florida, they really did not look good in that game. The expected goals or, or the chances against when you look at all that stuff, Florida killed them in that stuff. It was a miracle that the Rangers won that game. And then they had those three days in a row of practice. And, and those days I thought were really interesting because even though they had a good record, I think they were like seven, three and three at the time, Gerard Gallant, all the players on the team were, were sounded kind of not down, but they were talking a lot about how they had things that they needed to fix, that the way that they were winning was unsustainable, that they were relying too heavily on Igor Shesterkin. And they focused on cleaning up the D zone coverage, generating more offense at even strength, cutting down on the turnovers during those three practice days. They were some of the longer practice days that they've had so far this season. And since then, whatever they did during that period, whatever buttons Gerard Gallant pushed during that period really seemed to have worked. Because if you look at the numbers, as far as actual goals for and against and expected goals for and against, the Rangers for those first 13 games ranked in the, the bottom five, if not close to last in the league in both of those categories. 
actual goals for and expected goals for percentages. But now in the last seven games, they're pretty much at the top of the league, both in terms of how many goals they're actually scoring versus how many goals they're giving up and how many expected goals they're, they're allowing versus how many expected goals uh, they're, they're generating. So absolutely they've turned things around and it's really kind of stunning because it, it, they've flipped in pretty much all of these categories where things looked ugly early on the season. And now they're like near the top of the league and they've pretty much gone with the same players. The line combinations have changed quite a few times, but they're reliant on really the same guys. Maybe it's just a matter of them buying into the things that Gallant wants them to do more. I, I think it could be as simple as that. Vince, uh, I hate to be this guy, but you said his name three times. <laughs> and I realize now we haven't brought this up yet on this show. How the hell has Gerard Gallant gotten away with changing his name at this point in his career? Yeah, somebody tweeted that to me. Did I? They haven't told us that. I, the, I've been saying the Gallant. ESPN, the ESPN ABC broadcast on Friday, uh, AJ between the glass the first couple of times, she was very clear that she was saying Gallant. And I think all everybody was sitting on the couch being like, isn't it Gallant? And then Sean McDonough comes on here, and he's like, yeah, you know, we she's saying Gallant because this guy gets in the front press conference and goes, you know what? I prefer my name to be Gallant, so I'm going to be Gallant from now on. What that he did not he he has not told me that so uh, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep going with Gallant. I was I I promise you I had I had no beverage I had no turkey I my ears were clear on Friday but Sean McDonough, uh, Darren Pang the entire broadcast team is like apparently his name is now Gerard Gallant and I'm sitting there like you gotta be fucking kidding me how is this happening why is this happening yeah so if you could clear that up for us the next time you talk to him let let us know. I'm going to I'm going to actually I'm going to ask somebody at the facility tomorrow because I actually when they first hired him, I asked that question because I wanted to have it right. And I was told Gallant and that's what I've been calling him for months now. But he also doesn't tell you who the starting that. goalie is, Vince. So how, who do we believe? Yeah. No, yeah, no, no. He's come around on that. He's come around on that a little bit. I, I, he knows that I'm going to ask every day. So I think he's just sick of it and finally gave in. So he has been telling us that more often recently. But. I, I, that's, I don't know. That's strange to me. No, nobody told me that I wasn't watching that game on TV. I was in the building in Boston, so I wasn't listening to the broadcast. Oh, yeah. so no, it, what, what you're saying I, is I don't know how me. I was the only person that heard this tidbit and this nugget, but it was the entire game. I saw that. I'm just losing my mind the entire time. Wow. Um, there is a new GM or not GM rather a new hockey operations person up in Montreal. Could you see the Rangers uh, talking or working with Jeff Gordon at all in the coming months and maybe even facilitating some trades for players he might have liked, like Labor Hayek, like Georgiev, like Kravstov, people he's drafted. Is, is, does that open up like a, a avenue of communication right away, or do, does Gordon just not want anything to do with the Rangers anymore? You know, a couple people have asked me that. I, I don't think... I don't think I see it really too strongly one way or the other. Obviously, there would be reasons for him to be bitter toward the Rangers, but at the same time, I know him and Drury have a good relationship, so I I don't think that he would hold that against him. And at the end of the day, any good GM, you would hope, would always look for the best deal if they're trying to make a trade in any scenario. So if the Rangers present the best opportunity, I don't think that Gorton is the kind of guy who's going to shun them out of spite. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I would think that the chances of them doing a deal with them are fair. But I don't think that him getting the job necessarily makes it any more likely that they would make a deal with him either. I think it's probably about the same that it was before he got there. Uh, Vince, while we're talking about possible trades, possible moves the Rangers are doing, this is a topic Ryan and I talked a little bit before you got on here. Do you see the Rangers viewing Dryden Hunt and his recent performance as good enough for now or good enough possibly for the entire season? 
I'd lean more towards good enough for now. I, I dove in on this and wrote about it last week. I do think that they are planning to be active on the trade market, especially the more they keep winning, the longer they stay in the playoff races, the chances of them being active on the trade market and doing something. And remember, the trade deadline isn't until March 21st, so they have a long time to make these decisions. But I do see them definitely pulling the trigger on something. I was told that by a couple of good sources that they've already made calls, they're already looking into things, but they don't see it as being a big rush. I think right now they're fine with the lineup that they're putting out there. They like the way that Julian Gauthier is playing. And he's really the guy that I think in a lot of ways has benefited the most from Sammy Blay coming out of the lineup because I think you you got we've talked about this before when I've been on with you guys, but the Rangers really didn't see Gauthier as a good fit for what they want from their fourth line. They thought to get him in the lineup, they really needed a top nine spot. And they didn't think he had done enough to earn that so far. And there was a lot of guys ahead of him on the depth chart. But Blay coming out really made it so they had to play Gauthier. And he's taken advantage of the opportunity so far. Hunt is another guy who's definitely benefited from Blay going out by injury. And immediately when they moved him up in the lineup, what I thought of is when I watch this guy play, I see shades of Jesper Faust. And I had written about it and, and asked about it a little bit. Just, you know, is this the kind of guy who they could see playing that sort of role, which we know Panarin and Strom had their best year, arguably, when they were playing with Faust in the 1920 season. And I actually asked Ryan Strom this a couple of days ago when we were in Boston. Is it fair to compare him to Jesper Faust? Are you guys looking for him to do some of the same things? And Strom, who's a pretty straight shooter, said, yeah, I think that is a fair comparison. So I think Hunt they like in that role with Fost and with Panarin because they feel like in the situations where a, you need somebody to get back on defense or B you need somebody who's going to be aggressive on the four check and has some speed and can cause some havoc for the opponents in that fashion, the way that Fost did hunt can do that. And then in the ozone in their situations where you got to dump a puck in deep and you need a guy who's going to mix it up, throw his nose in there and go retrieve it and then get it back to the skill guys, Panarin, and Strom and give them a little space to work and let, and let them kind of do their thing from the outside. They see, they see hunt as a guy who they think can do that. Now, is he the long-term answer there? I, I, I have my doubts obviously, but I think they're going to give it an opportunity and see how it plays out. So I think that's why you're seeing hunt move up in the lineup. And we've seen guys come out of nowhere and take advantage of these opportunities. We saw it last year with Colin Blackwell. So it could work. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, that there's no chance he could stick there, but I do believe at some point, the Rangers are going to bring in another forward, whether it's a center or a right winger. I, I don't definitely don't see them bringing in another left winger, but I think that they are looking into centers and they are looking into right wings. I don't know if it's going to be some of the big splashy names that we've heard rumored so far. I've been told that the Rangers are sort of lukewarm uh, on the guys that have been rumored the most, whether it's Vladimir Tarasenko, which quite frankly isn't going to happen because he's got two years left on his deal and the Rangers aren't going to go for a two-year guy at that kind of average annual value. But even Riley Smith, uh, Phil Kessel, some of these other names that we've heard floated, I don't sense that the Rangers are really in strongly on them right now. That could change in the, in the coming months. But right now, I think they're more poking around on middle six kind of guys who would be a little more of a depth signing that would give them an alternative to a Gautier, an alternative to a Hunt, if those type of guys don't work out. We have to talk about Ryan Strom because I think he's quickly become extremely indispensable to this Ranger squad. He's on the last year of his contract. You do say that you know they're, they're looking to buy this deadline, and I agree with you. Uh, is there a chance that Ryan Strom still gets shipped out at the deadline, even though even though this team is winning? Is there is there any shred of possibility? 
Not if they're winning, no. If they fall out of the race and, and they all of a sudden look like they can't make the playoffs, then I think you reconsider because he's on the final year of his contract and you'd rather trade him and get something of value in return rather than risk losing him for nothing in the free agent market. But I'll be honest with you, the longer Ryan Strom has stuck around, like if you asked me a year ago, I would have told you that he's either going to be traded or play out his contract and be gone. But the longer that he's stuck around and the longer that he's been productive, and, and especially this year, now that we're back in the facility, back around the team, and I'm seeing him interact with his teammates more and I'm seeing the impact that he has in the room more, this guy is not only really productive on the ice. It's hard to argue with that at this point. He's in his third season now where he's been a, a pretty clear top six caliber center, but the teammates love him. I mean, this is, this is the guy who I think really has a big impact on young players. I think he also is, is loved by a lot of his veteran teammates. I'm starting to reach the point where it would not shock me, especially if they could get something team friendly done where Strom ends up sticking around beyond this year. I'm not going to say it's definite. I think the Rangers are going to look into a lot of different options. And of course there, there could always be a free agent or a trade candidate out there who looks a little more appealing. We've talked about, I think I talked to you guys about this last time. The Tomas hurdle is a guy that I think the Rangers could definitely end up looking to at, at the deadline this year, if the sharks decide to make him available, but he's also a guy on an expiring contract. And quite frankly, I think his contract, his next contract is going to cost more than Stromwood and the Rangers. While they have a lot of cap room right now, and they can definitely afford a rental that to get them to the end of the season, looking ahead to next season, things get really tight and, and they're going to have to make some smart decisions because they, they want to pay their guys. They paid Fox. They paid Mika. They locked those guys up. They pretty much said, this is our core that we're moving forward with. But now as far as pieces that they can add, they're going to be fairly limited in the next couple of years. So they're going to have to make a tough decision, a smart decision, a cost-effective decision as far as what they do with that second-line center long-term. And, and Strom is looking like more and more of an appealing option with each day. Vince, obviously injuries happen that can change any plan, and all good plans are laid to waste. But can you just pure – people moving people around reasons think of any reason to try to break up this third line this chi- this children line that is just i don't know if it i i i stopped short of saying it's the best line the rangers have going right now but man it's been a long time since i've been ex- that excited about a line the rangers have had going i'm going to give you another stat greg because I, I put this in my story today i out of all of the lines in the NHL that have logged at least 50 minutes at even strength together this season, that line has the highest rate of expected goals for per 60 minutes in the Ooh. league, in the entire league, 4.69. That's from Evolving Hockey, so shout out to those guys. But Twins. Uh, that, li- that line, now, they have not put up a ton of goals. They've obviously had some. They had a couple notable ones. Gautier, in particular, had a couple notable assists in the Boston game. They haven't put up a ton of goals, but as far as the chances that they're generating, the quality of the chances that they're generating, it, it looks really good so far. So I don't see any reason for them to break that up anytime soon. The lineup that they have right now, I, I explained to you guys why they like Hunt in that spot with Panarin and Strom. They really like Kako in the spot with Mika and Kreider. I, I, I didn't understand why they didn't try that sooner, quite frankly. It got to the point where I didn't think they should try it because Kako was playing so well with Strom and Panarin. But about a month ago, I had written that I really thought they should give it a look because Kako 
to me, is obviously the best right winger that they have right now. I think he's really looked good in the last couple of weeks. And I think he has the best chance of sort of unlocking that potential or that high-end play that we've seen from Kreider and Mika together in the past. Now, Kreider's obviously red hot. Unbelievable. Kako I, Kako, I think he to the Rangers, and I've heard this from a couple people, they believe that he has some Buchnevich-like skills. He's strong on pucks. He's a good passer. He can hold pucks and find teammates. And with Kreider and Mika being natural goal scorers, they feel that he can get a lot of assists while playing with them, and he, he could potentially be a playmaker for them in that in that role on that on that top line. So that's why they like Kako in that spot. And then the kid line, they've been playing so well together that, that how could you break it up at this point? Gautier is playing with more confidence than we've ever seen from him at any point. Hedl, I thought, had a stretch where he was playing really well. He's been a little quieter the last couple games, but but I I think overall he's been pretty solid with that line. And then Lafreniere, he went through a little bit of a tough stretch, no doubt about it, but he gets that goal in the last game, and now I think they want to see if he can build on that. So if you look at the chances that that line is generating, I don't see how you argue breaking that up. And then even looking at the fourth line, the fourth line with Goudreau on it, along with Rooney and Reeves, who have both been effective in their own rights. I mean, with Goudreau on it, I, I think that that line looks – better than it has at any point this season. I think that that is sort of the, the fourth line that Chris Drury envisioned when he went into this offseason and wanted a fourth line that would forecheck and bang guys on the boards and retrieve pucks and really punish opposing defenses when they throw those pucks in deep. And I think that they, they've been exactly that. The, the, the clearly defined role stuff that we've talked about, the fourth line has, has definitely embraced their role and done a pretty good job with it. So as far as the lineup right now, I think they really like the way that the pieces fit. And I think we finally have a chance to see them roll with something for at least, you know, a handful of games before they make any changes again. Let me let me follow up with something real quick, talking about just lines and chemistry right now. Does anything in the history of hockey personify how hot someone is than Chris Kreider attempting the Michigan in Boston on Black Friday? Uh, no, but it's so funny because I tried to get him to talk about this a little bit today. He is, he hates talking about himself. Like everybody, and it's so funny because I've talked to him about it a few times and like I know how he reacts to this, but you see these other reporters popping up each day and everybody wants to get him to talk about, hey, how are you so hot? Like, can you tell us what's going on for you right now? And he always deflects the credits and says, I'm just, you know, it's the percentages. I'm just getting lucky right now. I play with such great teammates, all the cliche stuff that, that guys like that like to say. But yeah, he is obviously feeling really, really good about himself. And we asked Mika about it today. And Mika actually said that it's not only the tips and the deflections, which he's gotten better and better at each year. He, he's been one of the best guys in the NHL at that net front position for a few years, but he's definitely getting better at it. And you see him work on it in practice every day. I tweeted a video on Saturday, I think it was, where Keandre Miller was taking shots from the point, And they did, I mean, 25, 30 of them in a row. And it's uncanny how Kreider keeps moving into different positions and, and tipping from different angles and stuff like that. And almost every single one of them goes into the net. But he also, we've seen it a couple times, he does have a pretty good wrist shot. And, and it, it, it's fast, it's accurate, and he's unleashed it a couple times. I know Panarin set him up in the slot, I think, in the Buffalo game. I know he had another goal the shootout. Uh, a couple weeks. Yeah, the shootout is a good example. He had another goal a couple weeks ago where I remember he came streaking down the wing and ends up putting it right over the goalie's shoulder. So Mika said you're seeing a lot more confidence in his shot right now, too. It's not just the tip-ins. Obviously, he's getting a lot of those tip-in goals, but you're also seeing him shoot it more effectively. His 
his shooting percentage on the power play is like 56% right now, which is outrageous. So he, he's, he's obviously red hot, but you're not going to get him to say very much about it. I want to talk a little bit about more Ryan Reeves, who is probably one of the most electric interviews in all of hockey, but we get to see the electric interviews where you get to ask the questions and we get to see his on ice product where he's hasn't fought nearly as much as I considered him to be a fighter. He's actually shown a lot more hockey skill, but what can you talk about like his effect on the team when you're watching practice? What is he doing when he's around practice? Is he just another coach? Like it seems like he's there to not only handle the media, but also to um, just be an on ice coach and be a mentor. And it, it seems like that's just happening constantly with him. Yeah, I I definitely underestimated the impact that he would have on the team as a whole. He is such, I had never interviewed him before he got to New York. He is such a likable guy. He's funny. He's down to earth. He knows what to say in the right moments. He's, He's obviously really good at handling the media. But beyond that, I think his teammates really get a kick out of him. He's called himself the big brother on the team because he's the oldest skater on the team. Or might, I think he's actually the oldest. Yeah, he's the oldest player on the team, isn't he? 34 years yeah. old. So, yeah, he's he's really beloved by his teammates so far. And as far as you, you mentioned him only having the one fight, I, I actually asked Adam Fox about that on Saturday. And there definitely, to me, seems to be a trickle-down effect. It's not, you know, you could look at it and say, okay, the guy's going to end up with four or five fights this season, probably that's not a whole lot. So to go out and get a guy just because he's a good fighter seems kind of foolish. But what you see the impact in more is that as Adam Fox said yesterday, everybody feels a little bit more comfortable engaging in whether it's throwing a hit, getting into a shoving match, talking smack, just playing with more confidence overall when it comes to all those different physical aspects of the game, because they know that I can curse on the show, right? If shit yes. hits the fan, <laughs> if, if, if shit hits the fan, that Reeves, nobody's going to want to mess with Reeves. Reeves, he's like the ultimate like card in the back of your pocket where you you don't have to play it most of the time, but if you do, the other team's probably going to be sorry because we've seen it. You know, like people have talked about PK Subban, like, oh, why didn't why didn't Reeves go after him? But when we asked Reeves about it, he actually had a really good answer. He's like, I know that dude's not going to fight me. Like, there's only so many guys in the league that if Reeves challenges them are actually going to accept the challenge. And Reeves is like, for me to go after a guy like that and, you know, cross check him or push him or try to do something to get him to fight me when I know he's not going to do it, it's just going to end up putting me in the penalty box and putting my team in a bad position. So he's also, he's kind of thoughtful about picking his spots when he's going to go after guys, when he wants to stir it up. So really impressed with him. I mean, I'm not going to say that I think he's been incredibly impressive in terms of his overall play, like, obviously, he hits a lot. He leads the league and hits per 60 right now. But you could see there's not a whole lot of quickness there. But he does stick to exactly what Gallant wants from that fourth line. And that's chipping pucks in deep. And then when you have to go behind the opponent's net to try to recover it, you make sure that their defense pays for it. You make sure that you're banging the body and, and that you're giving them something to think about and wearing them down as the game goes on. And, and Gallant, if you guys have noticed, a lot of times when the Rangers need a momentum swing, when they either went like on Boston, they did it right after they gave up that uh, that second goal. I think it was the first line that Gallant put out there to c- try to crush the momentum and, and get it back going in the Rangers favor was the fourth line because he knows that they're going to do exactly what he wants. And that's play physically, play simple, get pucks deep and, and forecheck and do all that kind of stuff. So I think Reeves has really set the tone in that aspect. 
I think he's really been a good locker room presence. And I think that everybody on the team, Adam Fox put it this way, feels a little bit safer just because he's there. Even if he's not fighting a lot, they like knowing that the threat is there. If somebody steps out of line, they know that at any point, if Reeves wants to go after them, it's probably not going to work out too well for them. Vince, I have two personnel questions for you. I'm going to ask the easy one to answer first. Um, Ranger fans on Twitter, at least, have already soured on Patrick Nemeth. But in your esteemed opinion, do you think the Rangers see any issues with what Nemeth is doing currently? Is his spot in the lineup in any jeopardy in your mind? I don't think so, quite honestly. I was actually talking with somebody about this earlier today. If they had any problem with Patrick Nemeth, and I'm going to open a can of worms here probably, but if they had any problem with Patrick Nemeth, wouldn't they have given Libor Hayek at least a look? I mean, this guy has been on the roster the whole season. They haven't played him once. So if you're going to carry eight defensemen, you would think that you'd want to occasionally cycle guys in and out, occasionally give guys another look. But when they've taken a guy out, it's always been Lundqvist in favor of Tenority. But they have not, in under any circumstances, yet taken Nemeth out. So I think that they're happy with him. I don't think that they expected him to come in and be a world beater, come in and be a top four guy or even a shutdown guy. I just think that they like him as a steady presence. They, they feel that he's defensively responsible. He's made a couple mistakes, if, if I'm thinking off the top of my head, that really jumped out to me. But it hasn't been a lot of glaring stuff where you feel like he's left the goalie hung out to dry. So I think that they're generally happy with him. I think that they had mild expectations for him. And I think that they generally feel that he plays the way they want him to play. They, when he when he was signed, everybody that I talked to about it would always say, oh, he's hard to play against. He's defensively responsible. And so I think the Rangers went into it thinking that that's what they were going to get. And for the most part, that's what they've gotten. It's nothing flashy. It, it, he almost reminds me a little bit of Mark Stahl at the end, uh, where you know occasionally he he might look slow or occasionally he might make a mistake that jumps out to you. But for the most part, you're going to go from a game-to-game basis and, and not notice him too much, which is probably a good thing. So I don't get any sense that the Rangers are having any conversations about taking him out of the lineup. And then the big, the stinkier one, even if I think the answer might even be more cut and dry, do you think we're nearing an Alexander Georgiev conclusion? Something has to give eventually in my mind. I think, I wrote about this the other day, I think they're going to, he's obviously going to get a start they have back-to-backs Friday, Saturday, and and the, the opponents aren't very strong opponents. I think they have San Jose and Chicago. They do. So I, I think they're going to give him one of those starts, and I think if he has another dud like he did in his last start against Buffalo, that they're going to have to have a serious conversation about do we put this guy on waivers and either call Kincaid or Huska up. So I, I don't. It, it's hard to say that I think a trade is imminent or anything like that. I know they had explored trades for him in the past and their asking price from everything that I heard was always really high and teams weren't willing to go that high. Let's be honest with how poorly he's played this season. What would they be? What would they be able to get for him in a trade? Maybe a late round pick. I I think nobody's offering them anything of substance right now. Teams are probably figuring that if he keeps stumbling, they're eventually going to have to put him on waivers. And if there is a team that wants to take a shot on him, they'll just wait and get him when he goes on waivers. But I do think his next start to me is a little bit of a make or break moment because he could either 
steady the ship a little bit, inspire a little confidence by at least playing a solid game. He's had a couple solid games this year, but he's also had a couple bad ones. Or I think if he really falls flat again, then again, I think after that, the Rangers are going to have to have a serious conversation about where they go next. Because you, as good as Igor has been, you can't play him every single game. And you need a guy that occasionally you can rely on to step in and give you a chance to win. And not only is Georgiev not done that, what I think, and I've, I've talked to a couple of people about this as well, he just doesn't seem to be a guy who, who handles a light workload very well. We've seen guys, especially during the Lundqvist days, we've seen guys who could go 10, 12 days without playing and step in and be okay. But Georgiev really seems to lose any semblance of sharpness when he doesn't play frequently. He does not seem to respond well to, to this lack of ice time that he's had. And if he's a guy who can't handle that, you know Igor is going to be your guy. You're not going to start splitting starts between them. So if he's not a guy who can handle that, then you got to move on at some point. Well, this happened even last year. They carried three goalies because he couldn't. I mean, Igor was hurt, and they started Keith twice. It's just it's. But, it, but again, like think about it. Nineteen twenty, that season, the, the the COVID shortened season. He led the Rangers in starts that year, and he was pretty solid that year. There was a reason that they gave him more starts than anybody else. Now, obviously. Igor didn't come up till January. So I think had Igor been there all along, he would have ended up getting more starts. But they played Georgiev more than they played Hank because Georgiev was, for the most part, pretty good that season. But the last two seasons, since his playing time has been reduced, he really does not seem to respond well to this starting once every week or two kind of thing. And and, and that's for a backup goalie, that's what that's what your job is. So if you can't do that well, like what's your what's your role on the team? So I think his confidence is definitely shaken right now. And I think that if he doesn't respond and do something to encourage them soon, then it could reach a breaking point, you know, maybe in the next week or two. I really thought the Buffalo game was a showcase game where they were like, yeah, I, I, well, I want to, I want to talk about the Buffalo game a little bit with you, Vince. Uh, I know Gallant, Gallant, whatever the fuck his name is. will never say anything. I'm saying like Gallant this. still, boys. Yeah, it's okay. I, I, that's fine. I, I, I hope it is what it is. I've been trained. One I'm gonna, way. I, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask one of the PR guys tomorrow. But I, nobody told me otherwise. So um, go ahead. I know he'll never say it because it's not his, it's not his mo to ever put a player in a difficult position, in front of the media for sure. He will always defend his guys, and that's why, almost universally, he's liked still in every organization he's ever been with. But do you? Do you get the vibe that the locker room, to a certain extent, appreciated Gallant, Gallant, whoever, saying, you know what, my team has played well enough to win this game. I can't risk this third period against the Sabres hoping Georgiev figures it out. I'm just going to put in my guy and hope we get the two points. Do you, do you get a vibe around the team that they appreciated that move? Again, I don't expect a single human being on that team to ever say it that is not like it's not even hockey code i just i can't think of any team necessarily going up and saying thank god they took that guy out but it does you you do you have the sense that it lifted the locker room in any way shape or form well like you said nobody's going to come out and say that but it was absolutely the right move and you have to the players realize that the players know what's going on they know who gives them the best chance to win they know who they're the most confident playing in front of so absolutely i think it was a good move. And and if you're asking me, do I think that the players appreciated him doing that in this situation? My hunch would be yes. 
Galanto, even after that game, and you've touched on it, he really does not. He he bends over backwards. I don't think he goes into these media sessions with a whole lot of goals in mind. I think he just wants to sort of get it done quickly and get it over with. But I do, I have definitely sensed over and over and over again in my daily dealings with him that he is going to go out of his way to make sure that he never throws a player under the bus, that he protects players from criticism. And that's why I think the one time when he slipped a little bit and said, I need more from Laffey, I think he regretted that pretty quickly. And, and, and maybe that caused a little tension in the aftermath because I think afterwards, the way that it played out, he realized he didn't want to say that out loud and he did. But with Georgiev, even after that game against Buffalo, I asked him, can you talk us into what went on at intermission, why you decided to make the moves? I always try to get you know a little insight into those behind the scenes conversations. He said, Nothing. He was like, I'm not going to tell you anything beyond coach's decision. So even then he protected Georgia from the criticism. And when I asked him about it on Saturday and said, does there come a point when you feel like if Georgiev can't work on this occasional, you know, starting one, I think right now he's averaging a start once every 10 days. If he can't work well on that, do you have concerns? Can you move forward like this? Do you need to try to get him more work? Again, he went back to saying, I really feel that we have two good goalies. Uh, it's just Igor has been better and right now, and it's hard to argue with the results for him, and he gives us the best chance to win, so I'm going to ride him, but I still have faith in Georgiev. So he's still the coach is still going to say all those things, just like the players would. So I, I think it was the right move to, to take Georgiev out in that spot. I think everybody watching felt that it was the right move, and I think it's safe to say in the locker room they felt it was the right move, but you're not going to get anybody to admit that. Let's do a quick lightning round. Is, Kravtsov is not coming back. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, you know how I feel about that. Yep. I do not believe he's he's coming back. I, he's definitely he's definitely confirmed not coming back until the end of the KHL season. Yes. But I think anything beyond that is just, I don't want to call it a PR stunt, but I think every, both sides realized that they didn't look good at all the way that it all played out in the beginning. And so they tried to make peace or at least make it seem and appear like they were making peace. And... I still feel that from everything that I've heard that it's a it's a real long shot that he plays for the Rangers again. If they call his bluff at the end of the KHL season and they say, hey, come on over. I don't know if he would say no, because that would make him look bad again, which is what they've been trying to avoid with a little bit of this uh, mending of the fence that they've tried to portray in the last couple of weeks. But I, I do not see him playing another game for the Rangers. I think it ultimately ends up with him getting traded. Me either. Uh Despite how Lafreniere has played this year, and Kako, I guess, hasn't really played that way, but let's just end this question for anybody that wants to ask Vince ever again. Neither of them will ever go to the AHL this year, correct? No. Cool. Stupid question. Got that out of the way. That, awesome. I know. I just see people asking you all the time. Uh, will we see Jones this year? Probably. Probably. But they are. They, they've... they've in some ways they've shown a lot of commitment to Lundqvist because they've, they've kept him up here, even though I think there, there have been some pretty clear struggles and obviously the offensive skills that everybody touted for all those years haven't really popped yet. But yeah, I think at some point, I think at some point you'll see Jones. I could see you seeing Schneider at some point, obviously injuries would force them to consider some kind of move. So there's always a chance that that happens. I don't see them breaking up the current lineup anytime too soon but i i do think if i had a guess you'd see jones at some point this season yeah vince i was going to add a degree of difficulty to that question and ask you take injury out of the equation if somehow these six guys stay healthy seven if you include tenorti 
eight if for some reason we include Lieber Hayek. Do you see Jones coming up then? Jones is not going to come up to be an extra defenseman. Like people ask me the question all the time. Oh my God, I can't believe they have Tenorti on this on this roster. They have Tenorti on this roster because he's the guy that they're okay playing once every 10 games. They're not going to put one of the kids up here and put them in that same role. That wouldn't be fair to them. They're much better off playing heavy minutes, power play, penalty kill, all that stuff with Hartford right now. So absolutely, I think they're making the right decision by keeping Tenorti and letting the kids play in Hartford and, and work out the kinks there. And there's still all those guys, Jones, Schneider, Robertson, they're all still very young players who have a lot of stuff to work on. So I think Hartford is the right spot for them now. As far as would they put Jones in one of the top six spots in a lineup spot, it's kind of there's two things that I would you'd have to give me an answer for on that. Does Lundquist struggle or does he get better? Because if he starts showing signs of getting better, I do not think they're going to take him out of the lineup. But if he starts to show either he's playing stagnant or he regresses at all, that would obviously work in, in Jones's favor. And then the other thing is, how is Jones playing in Hartford? If he starts lighting it up in Hartford, and I, I've been told that he has been better in the last few weeks, but if he really takes off and starts putting up a lot of points and playing an overall game and the Rangers feel good about his defensive uh, zone coverage, then, yeah, if, if if those two things happen, Jones is playing really well in Hartford and Lundquist is struggling in New York, I could see them considering the switch. But I think it would probably take both of those things happening simultaneously. I think that's it for me, Greg. What about you? I, I guess the final one for me before we talk Max Scherzer, because I know you're just absolutely dying to talk Max Scherzer. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I, 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 let, me, let me do my best uh, George Costanza impression here, if you don't mind. Go for What's it. the deal with Lieber Hayek? What are we doing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Greg. That's a good question. I, it's, I think at first it was as simple as, they did not want to expose him to waivers because they'd rather try to get something for him. Even if that something is a late round pick or a, you know, a minor prospect or whatever, I think in their minds that's better than losing him for nothing. But now we're at the point where they've held him here for this long. They have used seven different defensemen and not used him at all. He is quite clearly the eighth defenseman. And as we just touched on, I think if there was an injury to one of the top six they'd be more likely to call up Jones or Schneider than they would be to put Hayek in the lineup. They'd probably be more likely to put Tenorti in the lineup too. So I I don't know what they're doing. I I do believe that they'd like to trade him. I do believe that they've looked into trading him. Obviously they either haven't gotten much interest or haven't heard anything back in return that they feel is fair value, but quite clearly this is not a guy who is going to be in the Rangers future plans. And you already look at all these defenseman prospects that they have, the guys that we've touched on that are in Hartford. They're not going to be able to fit all those guys in their future plans. They're going to have to trade at least one or two of those prospects too. So Hayek has really fallen to the back burner. He is way down on the list of the depth chart. I think it would take multiple injuries for him to get in the lineup based on what we've seen so far. And, and they're just holding him. He's just occupying a roster spot for what exact reason. I can't tell you beyond just assuming that they would like to try to get something for him instead of losing him for nothing. But even if they put him on waivers, I'm not convinced another team would take him. I think there's a chance that another team would take him, but his stock, as we said with Georgiev, is pretty low right now. See, Georgiev gets taken immediately. I don't know if Hayek gets taken. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's really hard to say. I, I've talked to different people about this, and some people are like, well, you know, he does still have this skill set that enticed the Rangers in the first place. I mean, I've heard from a, a few different people that when the Rangers were making that McDonough deal with Tampa, Hayek was the centerpiece. He was the guy that they wanted the most. So obviously that wasn't the best decision or judgment that they've had uh, when you look at their trade history in the last handful of years. But I, I don't know. But, you know, when Gordon was still here, a lot of people were like, oh, well, Gordon doesn't want to admit his mistake on on looking at him as the centerpiece of that trade. But Gordon's not even here anymore. I don't know if jury cares about that perception, quite frankly. So I don't really know what they're doing with him. And, and I've asked Gallant about it. I've heard other reporters ask Gallant about it. Like, is there any chance we're going to see him in a game anytime soon? And the answer is always kind of a a, a look that tells you, no, man, that that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, I know you weren't covering the team when it happened, but we did a, a live podcast like seconds after they uh, did the Ryan McDonough trade. And we were convinced that they got Sergachev. Like, you have no idea. We were like, I can't believe this is going to happen. And when they announced it was Lieber Hayek, we were like, what? <laughs> like, totally just shocked and appalled. And I've had some, some I don't know, I ho- hopes for Lieber Hayek in the past and the skills that they, they, they can see. I just don't see them. I don't understand them. And, and he gets a bad rap on top of that because a lot of people think he's the reason that Kravstov went back to Russia and because they wouldn't send yeah. him down. Yeah, I mean, you guys know that I've I've talked about that being peculiar in my Very mind strange. because they, people could say it's not an apples to apples comparison to say you know Kratov's a forward and Hayek's a defenseman, but they chose to carry eight defensemen, which is not the norm. The norm is carrying seven defensemen and fourteen forwards. They chose to go thirteen and eight just so they could keep Hayek, which to me, I, the, the, it's surprising that they didn't see the writing on the wall that that could potentially cause a problem with Kratzoff. And if you were going to keep Hayek, if it was such a priority to, to carry eight defense defensemen to go down that unorthodox path uh, of keeping two extra defensemen instead of one, which is what most teams do. Why would you do that? If you had no intentions of playing the guy, which clearly at this point they don't. So I, I don't really know what they're doing with Hayek. It's, it's, it's strange to me. What sure. a mystery. What a mystery. All right. That's it for the show. Uh, Vince, anything you want to plug? Happy 50th show for new ice city. Oh, thank you. Yeah, happy, uh, what is the sixth anniversary? Six-year anniversary, yeah, with six candles in well, the cake. Well, f- f- 50 is a bigger number from six, so it is I think true. my... Congratulations. My, my, <laughs> I, think, I, I think what I'm doing is a little... Here, let, let me say what Greg's going to say. You know what's a bigger number, Vince? $43 million. Max Scherzer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. he's right. You know, he's got a point there. And it's Again, it's 58 when you include the $15 million the Nationals are still paying. Congratulations. All right, can he... Craig, can he can he close games also, or is he going to double dip? What's the plan he with that? He can close. He's close for the Dodgers, so. Yeah, I mean, he, they're they're just going to leave him in forever. I think is the plan. I listen. I Who, who's there's not even Vince, there's there's not even there's not even going to be baseball. So all these things you're trying to do to get me angry right now aren't going to work because in two days the sport's not even going to exist. All I'm going to say is congratulations to you Yankees. I saw they signed Jose Peraza today. He played 64 games for the Mets last year. That must mean he's good. Well, I, I, I'm serious because I, I, I'm very immersed in hockey right now. I'm not paying a lot of attention to baseball. Who is the Mets' third starter? Right now it's Carlos Carrasco, but I agree with you. Okay. They, need more, they need more pitching. Okay. All right. Well, I, listen, there's a long way to go. I, I, I told you guys before we started recording that Sam Rosen has been my, my main guy that keeps me posted on the baseball happenings, and I know he's a little frustrated. The Yankees haven't had any moves yet, but – 
maybe they have a plan. I don't know, because there's all this lockout stuff is hovering over them right now. So maybe, I don't know, they feel like they can make something happen after they settle that. I, I, mean, I, 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 I honestly think the Yankees feel like they've just spent too much money already. I We live in this bizarre world where the Yankees have a a – a budget in the Mets. They will have the second highest payroll in baseball. It's not like they wouldn't, they haven't spent money. They will have done that already. My quick Yankee point would be, I honestly think, especially if Severino is healthy, the pitching could be okay. But when I look at the the roster right now, obviously they have a, a hole at shortstop. I really think they need a center fielder. What are they doing at first base? And are they really going to keep Gary Sanchez for another year? So I feel like, the lineup surprisingly has all these questions that I, I they, they can't go and spend big money on free agents to fill all those holes. So they're going to have to do something creative. I just don't know what it you is. You got to help DJ bounces back too. Cause I love DJ, but he had a real hard year after he signed that five-year contract. I think they got to move. If they're going to play Glaber at second and they're going to sign a shortstop, I think they got to play DJ at third. No, probably. Or I don't know if he'll play first base. Is Luke, Luke Voigt a free first, agent, right? Yeah, I guess. Is he a free agent? I'll, I'll I'll say this. I'll say this though, Vince. The the most damning thing about whether you think the Yankees should or shouldn't spend money is if there was ever one off season where you can actually fill all your holes just by spending money. This is the one off season where so many bats are available that if you just wanted to spend a little money, it solves a lot of problems. And it doesn't. It doesn't have to be Freddie Freeman. It doesn't have to be Carlos Correa. It it should be Carlos Correa if you're the Yankees, or at least one of these shortstops, but that there are some off seasons where it's like not everybody can sign Manny Machado. Right. But if the Yankees don't want to trade the assets, it'll take to get a Matt Olson or a Matt Chapman from the A's. This is the one off season where if you spend money, you can solve a lot of your issues. And that's why Steve Cohen did it. He didn't want to give up the pieces to make these trades. So he just decided to spend every dime that he wanted to, it's not even a point, percentage. Point oh, of his, 0.005, yeah. Yeah, it's not even one full percent of his $13 billion fortune. He doesn't give a shit. But the, that's that's the thing I understand about Yankee fans. It's like, yes, a lot of your points are true. You can't solve everything all at once. But if you ever wanted to solve Anthony Rizzo, you could bring him back. You could sign uh, Michael Conforto and move someone else, Joey Gallo possibly, over to center field. You could make a move to sign Chris Bryant, who could play a variety of positions. This is the one off season where if you need bats, all you have to do is open up your checkbook. And if you're not going to do it this off season, I don't know what off season you do. It. Freeman would look, would look pretty good in pinstripes with that with the short portion, right? Get him, get him but... the fuck out of Atlanta. I thousand percent support. Yeah, but him. I don't think he's. I don't think he just won a World Series there. I don't think he's going to leave. I don't know, Vince. He still doesn't have a contract. That's very shocking to me. Me too. That's shocking. Yeah. Freeman's one of the best bats in baseball. Um, I used to I used to love the off-season hot stove stuff, but now that I, it's in the middle of hockey season, like I can't. I just can't do that. It's it's too much. It's too well, much. The hot stove's only been for two days, so it's gonna, it's gonna well, shut down. Usually, I feel like in recent years, the hot like the baseball hot stove has lasted like three months. It just drags out forever. Last year was terrible. It's not like hockey. Hockey, all the free agent activity is one day, and then everybody goes on vacation. That's hot. that's the NHL in a nutshell. <laughs> that, that's why we were able to put a. That's why we were able to put a billboard up and not have Jack Eichel to the Rangers happen. That was our fault. In case you were wondering, so in uh, in August. Good. Time. Yeah. What did you guys? Is that billboard still up? No, or it was only two weeks. Two weeks only. That was it. Yeah, but, all, but, all, but it, all it cost us, all it cost us, Vince, was a ten-year career in news. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
just Greg. I, I, maybe maybe there's a maybe there's a story behind that. You'll tell I'll, me. I'll later. DM you. I'll DM you. <laughs> so, okay. so, all right. Yeah, good times. All right, Vince. Uh, we're gonna get out of here. Follow Vince on Twitter. You know where he is. And uh, you can listen to a show, New Life City, where he's uh, you know breaking it down in formal style for y'all. And we'll be back next week. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Mead. You can follow Greg at Push Break. Bye. Love you. Bye. And on our special six-year anniversary, I want to thank these particular Patreon supporters, our NHL Insiders Club, of which we will get all the deepest scoops for the New York Rangers. Share them every week at the chat. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Curtolo. I messed it up. Adam Ke- Adam Geech. Cheech. 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 That's me being a bird for the sixth year. Alex Gardner, Amber Cohensberger, Austin Beetleman, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Biggie's Malone, Brian Doyle, Broadway Blue Shirt Bleeder, Chris Finelli, Finelli, uh, Finelli, Finelli, Chris CJ Stellwagen, Daniel Dayzen. Daniel is his first name. It's not Dennis. Daniel. 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 David Narrated. <laughs> oh my God, sorry. Uh, David Siegel, Dennis Dykes, Eric Stagg, George Britsky, Give Gardner Cup, Gar- Gretzky, Gareth McFly, Harrison Hasco, Jake Berkowitz, Jerry Marquez, JD, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Kyle Franklin, Lazek Kronkowski, Lou Giordano, Lucas K, Matthew Kind, Max Nielsen, Pavel Kodarev, Randy Tesser, Stephen Lomayer, Stig Bulbach, Swingart, Drop BK, Tommy Sinclair, Tommy O'Neill, Tort from Manhattan, Upstate Vin, Vinny Bracco, Vinny Hay, and Will Spector. Thank you all so much for the six years. I got to tell you, now that you're still here listening to this podcast after it's been an hour and some amount of minutes and Vince stopped by and we you talked about baseball, and I think the Max Scherzer count for this podcast was somewhere around 17 mentions that Greg did. And I'm not a Mets fan, and I put up with that. Uh, so I've had a lot of people ask me over the years, why do you let Greg talk about the Mets so much? Because I have to, I, I contain Greg in a lot of ways. You know, I lead him in the right directions. Uh, I, uh, I try and I try and say the right things to let him go on the rant that I want him to go on. But if there's anything I've learned about working with Greg is that he's authentic and you cannot control a man <laughs> that has that much passion about a team that makes him so miserable. So I, I wish him, he's not here right now. He's not listening. I wish him the best of luck when the Mets finish outside the playoffs next year after some injuries devastatingly hurt their team. And uh, I, <laughs> I hope that everyone who's stuck with us for the six years uh, is, is thank you so much. Like, I don't really know what else to say. We became, I think, the number one New York Ranger podcast for the past, like, four years. We've made friends with everybody that's in the beat from, you know, interacting with Valaket. Bill Pito said, I mean, Valaket said Church of Caco this week on, on MSG. I mean, look look at where we are, everybody. It's been a crazy ride. So I've made great friends from this podcast. I've made lifelong connections. I've had so many great opportunities. And uh, I can't thank you all enough for making it possible and listening to this dumb show that we talk about this silly hockey team that controls the way I feel on a daily basis. And I know a lot of you feel a similar way. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be back next week. And thanks everyone for support. As I've said that a million times already, but I just want to reiterate it. Let's go Rangers. And hey, I, I, I don't want to say this because I think I could jinx it, but I think the Rangers can win all four next games like pretty handedly. If you beat the Flyers, right? Go play the Sharks. I know, listen, Thomas Hurdle's going to score. That's a lock. You could lock that in right now. Tomas Hurdle will score versus the Rangers. Lock, lock that in. Bet it. I'm not. We're not sponsored by any betting company. We'd love to be, but we're not. But so Thomas Hurdle, he'll he'll score. But then two two games versus the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.